in the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world, ask of us here the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. Welcome to the show. You might want to pull up a chair. We're going to have an old-fashioned chat here. We've come a long way, baby, in a good or a bad way. I would argue in a bad way. Chasing the gold. Kids want to be influencers. Why do people let ignorant ones influence them? Does everybody want to look like Jeffree Star, that YouTube tranny? who sells all those makeup kits? Is that what the goal is here, kids? Is that what the goal is? Everybody is so unhappy with their own lives, their own bodies. They're searching for answers in all the wrong places. We have the answers, all of them. We just need to listen. There's a lot of things to consider. They're showing us they plan to rob everyone. They're showing us they'll stop at nothing. Be thinking about what your plan is. Don't be frozen. Their plan is to freeze everybody into space, into place, and put us into space in our heads, right? All that fun on social media. I think a lot of people are considering this, that they think that looking at a lot of information all day long on social media is the same as absorbing information all day long on social media. They are two very different entities. 
you can look at media all day long, but are you absorbing what you're looking at? I would argue the absorption rate appears to be fairly low. Why would I say that? Well, I've been looking back over time, and in the old days, I guess people, probably my grandparents' days, they would say things like, when I was young, we walked 20 miles up hills in the snow to get to school every day. Why don't you kids get out there and do something of your own? Well, every generation has their thing, right? The new thing is that us boomers are all a bunch of lazy losers who grabbed it all up. Well, that's really pretty much social programming, right? I'm a boomer. Do I appear lazy? Of course not. But as long as you replicate the messages, you're just doing their bidding, right? I remember when I was young, we actually had to go look things up. Let's play a little game here. You call on the phone. Somebody actually answers the phone. Oh my goodness, what era are we in? Well, let's say we're back, back around the 70s, okay? You call somebody at their house or whatever, they answered the phone. Or they didn't answer the phone. And that was it, right? You didn't go into any wild accusations. You didn't fly online and say that they're secretly trying to ignore you or any of that kind of stuff. You just accepted the fact they didn't answer the phone. <laughs> and you call later. Or one of the worst ones was when you called and the phone was busy. The dreaded busy signal. But you know, there were some good things to have in a landline. Ever break up with a guy and you have a landline? Boy, there's nothing like slamming that phone down. Just nothing quite like it when you tell, tell who you thought was the love of your life to buzz off and you get to get that last effort to just slam that phone down into that cradle. Yeah, you guys are missing a lot. I got into a couple things with some um, trannies from my past. I got to tell you, getting hung up on without the phone slamming just wasn't quite the same. And yes, a few of them did hang up on me. Um, but I lived and got over it, right? So people would actually, we were in offices then. I know this is sounding really old, right? We drove up to offices. We got out of our little cars. And um, in 1979, I worked at Intel, and we were working on the Ethernet, the IBM project. And believe it or not, in 1979, we actually used microfiche. You might have to look that up. All of the accounting system at Intel was run using microfiche, okay? made it very easy to trick your expense accounts, <laughs> but, but it was a little bit of burdensome to try to deal with, right? And if you're in your office and you your phone rang, you had a choice to either pick it up or not because the phones didn't have all those tricks. So things were very different. And if somebody called you on the phone and asked you for something, you actually would have to get up from your chair, walk over to a file cabinet, and look for this information, <clears throat> then walk back over and get it to them. <clears throat> and all of this took a few minutes to happen, right? But listen carefully on the phone now. If you actually have an opportunity to talk to somebody on the phone these days, listen very carefully. They will be saying things like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for taking like one second to look something up. That's where we are right now, right? We didn't even have computers back then, okay? Um, the famous quote at the time was Gordon Moore, founder of Intel, also heavily involved in the vaccine business. Um, just a little aside there. Um, I covered Gordon Moore when I did the show about vaccine hesitancy. 
Gordon Moore has a big charity. They're all in board on this stuff, okay? The people doing this vaccine business aren't the ones you're seeing on social media. It's the ones that I've been showing you in different shows and stuff, like about um, how, uh, how deception works, all these things. They're not the people you think they are. They're the people like this guy who was running Intel who's heavily involved in this vaccine hesitancy deal, okay? So at the time when people, at, we didn't even have computers at our desks. We had no idea about computers. My first computer was a Radio Shack, okay? So we used typewriters. If a meeting changed, for example, I was working on this big meeting with Intel and IBM and all these other big companies. If a meeting changed, I had to send them a telegram, okay? A telegram. We actually had a telegram department in the building. I had to walk down, write up this telegram on my typewriter, walk downstairs with it, and the telegram people would send it out for me. Well, this all sounds like a great plan, right? Well, it was kind of a good plan until the telegram people inverted my messages. One event we were having to change, so one group had to change to the other group. Well, they flipped the sides. So both sides got the wrong information. So all these executives got the wrong telegram. So yeah, things were all done by telegram. Try to sort out everybody getting the wrong telegram. What a mess. The phone lines blew up. You didn't have voicemail to trigger to. So your phone just stayed busy. You just kept moving. <laughs> you didn't have time to stop. I would walk in in the morning and I'd have such a big pile of messages. I would just throw them all into the trash and start over the next day. So yeah, things have gotten actually more complicated with all this technology. And that's my thing, okay? I think it's actually complicated your life a lot. I had my first cell phone in the 80s. I think I paid $3,000 for it. We actually had to have antennas on our cars. Um, but back then, I only used it to call into my office on my way back from a meeting. I didn't learn to just spend my life on it. <clears throat> we actually would make plans using actual telephones. <clears throat> you know, like we'd pick up the landline, we'd call each other up if we got them on the phone. We had special code words we use. Um, when I worked at Intel, we had this special building. All the buildings were numbered. I worked in the corporate building, which was building four. But there was a Mexican restaurant down the street that served margaritas, and we had that labeled a building. So when times were tough <clears throat> in the corporate building, we would say, I'll meet you over at building X, and we all knew where to go. So yeah, we had to learn to be more clever. We had to learn how to get around the oppression even then because all of the buildings and technology were guarded with security guards. So what do you do? Well, sometimes they would go on these crazy terrors where executives at Intel were so petty that a couple of times they looked out the window and they saw there weren't enough cars in the parking lots, okay? <laughs> so what they did was then they would enforce sign-in in the buildings. So in order to get to your job that day, you have to go past security to get into the building, right? Well, in order to get in to your job, they were doing the sign-ins. You're supposed to start work at 8 o'clock. So if you weren't there by 8 o'clock, between 8 and 9, they would make you sign into a sheet. In other words, admitting that you were showing up late. This is how they tra treated their managers. <coughs> I was like a corporate, their first corporate trade show manager. This is how they treated everybody, right? So <clears throat> if you got there late after 8 o'clock, 
you had to sign this paper at the security desk. Well, these these systems were full of flaws, right? <clears throat> didn't take me long to figure out that all I had to do was wait until 9 o'clock, and they took away the sign-in list, and then I could just breeze in through the lobby. So, yeah, so we had to also learn to use our brains to get around the few trick minds they set up. But now, sadly, I'm not so sure that <clears throat> any of this is working out very well, okay? Because everything, everybody has gotten so used to all of these items, you don't even realize the role they're playing in your life. I had my first fax machine in the 80s. There was a company I used because I was doing work in China at the time. Um, they were charging me like $10 a page to receive a fax. So we have come a long way. But I'm here to argue, I'm not so sure it's for all been all for the good, okay? Um, <clears throat> back, at, back in those days, we also actually, we talked to each other. We'd share, we'd share what was going on with each other. I didn't sit at home at nighttime when I was in town, laying on my sofa, looking at social media. We were out doing things. Now, were they always the right things to do? Eh, probably not always, but at least we weren't all isolated. The trick is, is this. It's such a simple trick. Control is the name of their game. <clears throat> How do you control people? Well, you separate and you isolate them from each other. That's how you control them. And then you set up a whole bunch of tripwires along the way. Things like, well, you get them all to just text. So how many, <clears throat> how many things go wrong in a texting relationship? I would argue a lot of things. So it's important with this work that I'm doing to also look at the impact of psychopaths in society in general. And how did we get here? And I am not talking about you and your smartphone. I am talking about an overview of observations about society in general. We all got here together. I have done all of these things myself or I would not be able to see what they are. So this is not a blame game. It's a pointing out some possibilities to think about. Because there's some pretty serious addictions going on now with these devices and stuff. I would argue it'd probably be better to deal with the addictive nature now versus later. Now is a good time to be planning when you have the ability and the clear head to do all those kinds of things. They want to keep you busy up until the last second so that you will not be able to be thinking for yourself. So... You know, we started off with the flip phones, okay? We got all these things going. We thought, wow, we've got phones, right? And it was interesting because in the 90s and stuff, we also did have a lot of hacking of computers and stuff back then. But we also didn't know a lot. And what makes me concerned is this. I think now, more than any time in history... We have access to more information that has ever been put in front of us. I would have to say that we have been flooded with information. And I would also have to say that it was on purpose that we got flooded with this information. Back in the day, we only had three TV channels, okay? And TV was actually free. They brought in the whole cable TV network, all these channels, all these extra things. So all you have to do is 
stop and just think for a few minutes. I'm not going to go through every tidbit of the history here, but things were actually quite a bit simpler. Am I saying they were better? Of course not. Psychopaths still ran things, okay? I'm not delusional saying that, yeah, things were great. You should have been there. It was just a rocking good time. No, things were as screwed up in many ways. I'm just expressing how I'm seeing things transpiring, and I think that a lot of people are going to be in a whole lot of trouble pretty soon here down the road. So how did we get here? I don't, you know, for example... When they started giving us so many choices, it was probably to compete amongst each other. Like, for example, grocery stores, each store wanted to have more choices to lure in more customers. It's all about the consumerism in this country, right? And we also have a nation of consumers who the rest of the world wants to model themselves after. Most people in most countries want to be and live the American dream also known as the American Nightmare. What they don't see is behind the glass wall here. They don't see all the unhappy people gobbling down pills. They don't see all the people that are on insulin and have tremendous weight problems and stuff. Those are not really signs of a happy functioning nation to me. And what this country did very effectively was they exported both those bad ideas and those bad diets and all their bad technology as the latest new thing. Everything evolves now around new. Everything must be new. I can't even get people to look at older shows because they are into only new. That has been a lot of the sales programming. Get the latest new phone. Get another phone that's even though the other phones still work you must get the new model new is how they get into your pocket and keep selling you things okay so let's talk about what are some of these things for example some stores carry a great deal of merchandise and other stores like costco have found that by limiting their choice they actually have higher sales okay so typically today Smartphones, my opinion, they create a form of analysis paralysis. And also, people can also get involved in confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is when we go searching for information that makes us feel more comfortable. I would argue that the majority of people on social media are engaging in confirmation bias. They pull up a chair to people. It doesn't even really matter that they know what they're talking about. I think the only criteria seems to be the ownership of a microphone. And people will engage to hear their views because they're engaging in confirmation bias. They're saying what we want to hear. For example, at one point, um, I was having issues with drinking coffee. Well, what did I do? Did I just stop drinking coffee? No, of course not. I didn't do that. I looked for... A long time until I found somebody that said, oh, with this condition, one cup of coffee is okay. <laughs> See how confirmation bias works? We all do it. We all do it every day long. So how do we learn confirmation bias? How do we learn analysis paralysis? Well, by all this information. A smartphone is a portable device that combines mobile telephone and computing function into one unit. 
They are distinguished from feature phones by their stronger hardware capabilities and extensive mobile operating systems, which facilitate wider software, internet, video camera and gaming alongside with core phone functions such as voice calls and text messaging. That's what we have now versus the old phone that I described that in the old days you could actually hang up and slam down that phone on somebody. Don't ever call me again, you loser. Bam! And slam down that phone. That's all gone. That's all been replaced by this thing in your hand, okay? And I'm not even convinced that thing in your hand is all that safe. So, um, But anyway, so early smartphones were marketed primarily toward the enterprise market. Attempting to bridge the functionality of standalone personal digital assistants, back then we had Blackberries, they were devices that were support for cellular telephony, but were limited by their bulky form, short battery life, strong analog cellular networks, and the immaturity of wireless data services. That's what we had at the beginning. People ran around and they said things like, hey, let's do lunch, and they pulled out their little Blackberries. That's how people communicated. They did not sit there and stare at their Blackberries while they ate. They did not. They just pulled them out of their pockets and used them. So Blackberries were actually a pretty limited use, okay? And even when I had my first um, cell phone, they were big. I mean, we used to call them luggables. I mean, my first cell phone was, I don't know, 8 or 10 inches. I mean, it was, it was huge, okay? I didn't keep it on in meetings. I didn't even, people probably didn't even know that I had it, even however big it was, because we just did not do those things back then, okay? I would not have sat at dinner with somebody and looked at my Blackberry and started going through and scrolling through my appointments. It would not have been done because in the past, when we engaged with other people, the idea was to fully engage with them. In other words, be present. Sit there, listen to them, catch up with them, ask them things about what's going on, share with them things that you had going on. That all got taken away because of why? Well, smartphones, right? So it's creative, massive analysis paralysis, so much data, so little to do with it, and everybody is frozen by the flood of information. Too many choices freeze people. They know this. That is why Costco has their success based on very few choices. If you want mustard, you can select from a couple, not an entire aisle like regular grocery stores. It clears out the decision. Too much time. People walk away with no mustard. After them, a couple offer them a couple of mustards and they will highly likely buy one of those mustards. Offer them too many and you have analyzed, paralyzed them, okay? And we're only talking about mustard here. We're not talking about the complexities of children being abused by psychopaths. Imagine how much of that is getting missed, right? So, for example, uh, I have a timeline in my head of when forums went away. And it does match up with stupid phones, okay? I created the first online forum to support victims of psychopaths, I don't know, 25 years ago. It would have been the mid-90s. Um, I lost the first couple years of data due to hacking back then. A lot of hacking went on. Um, I even hacked into the Ramsey's computers. So 
<laughs> everybody was hacking everybody, right? A little, a little bit complicated to go around hacking people now, but yeah, that was the era of the 90s was there were a lot of computer hackings going on, okay? But so what happened in the 90s about that time was all of a sudden people stopped talking on forums because a lot of people who were engaging on forums at that time were people who had access to finances, so they would have been the ones who were first using smartphones. So essentially, about eight or so years ago, communication ground to a halt. People got smartphones in their hands. So they got smartphones in their hands, so they stopped participating in forums and actually typing out paragraphs of data about how they thought about things, right? Then now we're down to uh, people will only send emojis. What I'm wondering is when does the grunting start? When do you get a message and instead of having to hit an emoji as your response, why don't you just go, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, I, I may be making light of it, but this is honestly how I feel, okay? I kind of miss the days when we were going around hacking into computers and stuff because you know what? At least we were out there looking, okay? At least we were out there looking. So, too many choices. Too many choices. Um, I would have to say that um, the data supports what I'm saying. Um, over 80% of people now are logging on to places like YouTube using their mobile devices. So, that has a lot to be said for interaction with people and mobile devices. Very hard to do research on mobile devices. Very, very hard. Well, I would argue next to impossible because research is actually a lot more than looking up to, to, to data points, okay? So that is why they did the smartphones. Everybody saw it as a way to help everybody, right? So... 1992, we can start to look at um, places where communication really got fouled up with people, okay, when we lost track of each other. And remember, when you think that they are doing the right thing and that is who you support, that is perfectly okay. I'm not sitting here saying put down your phone. I'm trying to point out that I have seen some patterns here that may have impacted our ability to absorb information. I explained it all in that show about how the psychopaths got in charge. Remember, I don't think that a smart person really robs a bank during the middle of the daytime, right? And if you're going to rob a bank during the daytime, you're probably going to be have the place cased out. You're probably going to have a pretty good idea of what's going on around you, okay? So in order to pull this off, they have to make sure this is a robbery in action. The gypsies are sending you the fun stuff over there to look at, while the dark evil ones are over here, you know, funneling off your information to be used for porn hubs, doing the child thing, recruiting children, all that stuff is going on. So it's it's it actually... It, was, it would have been harder to trick us back then using just phones, right? Because those phones also didn't have the capabilities for all these graphics and stuff, right? Because in um, 1992 was the first year that IBM unveiled the first smartphone. And the device officially hit the market 
around $1,100 per unit. And that was only after about six months, and they'd only sold about 50,000 units. So personal cell phones have been around since the 70s, but not, not like we see them now. They were huge, and they weren't personal. You paid very, very high fees. And any time you were on air talking to somebody with the early cell phones, you were paying a fortune in fees. I mean, a fortune for that airtime. So... Anyway, so um, where have we come since the 70s? Well, um, I think that we got more and more. First, they had to get everybody to buy the smartphones, okay? And that likely affected, and I am going from being there, okay? Because they did not themselves have a great vision for all of us since the very beginning. I've said all along, they're not the best long-term thinkers, but when they get onto something, they get onto it, okay? For example, do you know that the most famous quote from the late 70s when I worked at Intel? Gordon Moore said he was puzzled about why people would want computers. He said maybe it would be handy for housewives to store recipes on, okay? So we have, in fact, come a long way, and we've stumbled along this way, but it was because of our willingness to go along with it. And they also were likely programming us along the way with this new business, right? Get the newest model. Don't. And then also people start socially influencing each other. For example, people thought people with flip phones were not as smart or as sophisticated as people with smartphones. How do I know this? Well, I carried a flip phone for much longer than people thought was necessary. <laughs> and I would get those looks when I pulled out my flip phone. Like I had dropped some data points in intelligence because there I was holding a flip phone. People would actually comment, why do I have a flip phone? I would say, well, I don't know because I just use my phone to make and receive phone calls and I don't understand the need for any more. So, so we got, we're going along in the 90s, but 2007, which wasn't really not all that long ago, okay? A lot of you probably grew up with these things already in your hands. So 2007 was a key point in all this horror. Steve Jobs entered the pictures. One of the most influential years for smartphone evolution was 2007. It was the year Steve Jobs and the team at Macworld revealed the very first iPhone. Not only was it the sleekest touchscreen device to hit the market, it was also the first device that offered a full, unwatered-down version of the Internet, 2007. Come a long way, baby. The very first iPhone gave consumers the ability to browse the web just as they would on a desktop computer. Bingo! Gotcha in 2007. The device was offered at a 4-gigabyte level for $499, and 8-gigabyte was, I think that was an additional $599. It boasted a battery life of 8 hours of talk time, rivaling the 1992 smartphones, measly 1 hour of juice. So in 1992, smartphones only had 1 hour of battery power, okay? So these new smartphones had 
250 hours of standby time. Think about all that time we could ignore our friends and be on that phone. And while there were kinks, of course, you know, you had to type on a BlackBerry with a one finger, and that finger better be pretty skinny. People used to use a pen to type on their little Blackberries, right? So, so then by the time 2019 rolled around, we had the world at our fingertips, and the dumbing down of the world was in full swing. Everybody had those phones in their hands. Everybody had those phones in their hands. It's safe to say that smartphones have changed the way we live our lives. Oh, has it ever. Of the estimated 5 billion cell phone owners around the world, it's estimated that at least 2.5 billion of them own a smartphone. I also did shows that I have traced the usage of smartphones. Look for the show that I did about A1, I think. Um, The U.S., India, and China, three of the biggest smartphone users in the world. This country is on that list of smartphone users for a reason. Smartphones will be our demise here. But always remember this. They have also set themselves up on the grid themselves. So before you start buying into all this um, shutting down the grid business, they shut down the grid for us. They also shut down the grid for themselves. So they will have to devise other fancier tricks that will involve your smartphone, like tracking. Soon that Vax card will soon appear on your phones. So we are essentially frogs in boiling water, okay? You know, if you're going to cook a frog, which is a disgusting analogy, and I apologize in advance, if you're going to cook a frog, you don't get the water boiling at full steam away, You get the frog in the water when it's cool, and you slowly turn up the heat. Slowly, slowly. So, this has raised the smartphone's consumer expectations when it comes to immediate gratification. What is this country built on? New and gratification. Hate your body, but love new stuff. Not only do people expect prompt responses to communications, this is why many brands are now using a business texting platform to message their customers. You know why that is? Because people no longer even pick up their telephones. They no longer want to go, huh, huh, into the phone. If the emoji doesn't work, That's it. They're not talking to you, okay? They're not going to pick up that phone. So, farewell to office space. So, thanks to tools like Slack, FaceTime, Skype, and what's that, Zoom, you can now access a virtual desk on your smartphone from anywhere in the world. You also realize what working from home also means. It means that you better have that device on 24-7 or the warlords aren't going to like it if you don't text them back right away. How else are they going to increase sales of anxiety medicine if people don't keep going along with this stuff? I mean, come on. They would lose sales of drugs and medication to counteract all of this if people just stopped going along with it. It's amazing, right? Have you ever thought about maybe not texting somebody today? Maybe not going, huh? Or how about going, good morning, how are you doing? I was just checking in to see how you were feeling today. 
I heard that you lost Fluffy the cat last week. Can I do anything to help you? You know what that is? It's called human interaction. It's what they want to get rid of, right? But you know what? Before we start getting all crazy here and blaming them, they get to us by all of this stuff. But we also all have minds. We have minds. We have free will. Social butterflies now spend 80% of their time on social media on mobile devices, okay? So, this radical change has resulted in millions of businesses flocking to social media and pouring their time and energy into interacting with customers through that space. Social media is now the sales arm of all of this. Social media is where you can go to buy some shirts for the kids because you don't want to put that device down and actually think about it, but you can find those ads on Facebook while you're cruising around. Social media is now the place where you can meet your fake friends that you've never even known before. You can get recipes from strangers. You can talk to strangers. You can tell strangers your innermost dreams and stuff. You can do all of that. Why? So you don't have to do it with somebody who would actually care about you, right? Doing it with strangers on social media is the new norm. I did a show about relationship to smartphones and what's going on. And the top three places, India, China, and the U.S. The U.S. actually beats out all countries in terms of how much time they spend on those smartphones. Does that make this a smart country? I don't know. In the 90s, we didn't even have we, we didn't even have cable. We got home computers around 1994 or so. So, did we get smarter? Did we get smarter? I'm asking you seriously. Do you think you're smarter? Do you think that? Um, so, analysis paralysis also tends to set in if research parameters are so vague that no no clear choice can be made. That's what they do. They make so many choices that no clear choice can be made. Do they have just one vaccine? Oh, no, 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 no. Of course not. They've got 500 vaccines. Now they've also got the booster vaccine. And they've got all the people over on BitChute, all those fake doctors, saying that they're rebels. They're out to find the truth. Does anybody notice any of the patterns here? First, they're out to tell the truth. So they got to hide around and tell you, right? Talk to you in all caps. Pass this along to everybody you've ever met. Everybody you've ever met in your whole life. Pass this message along to them. They must hear this right now. Then they tell you that everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. So what does everybody do? Well, they start passing along that information. That, my friends, is the effect of analysis paralysis. How did everybody else get so wound up over a vaccine? It's called analysis paralysis. And what that did was it took the entire focus off of the fact that everywhere in the world, children are being flipped. They are literally being led to their slaughter by tranny doctors and therapists and all these people. Why? Well, because there's so much data out there that nobody is looking at 
any data to speak of, okay? And you know what, in the end, I wouldn't care if you guys spent 24-7 on all this data. All I care about is all of that time spent on lies is time that's taken away from what all of you claim you're looking for, which is the truth. The truth is there for all of us to take a look at. But we have to not learn when the truth comes in front of us, okay? We have to look at the truth and even acknowledge our role in the bad truths that took place. We all have played a role. And as long as we continue to blame them for our role and not try to, uh, let's say, look at our role in a newer light, this reality will continue on. And let me give you um, a quote from this guy at Forbes magazine. They always have such great advice for us, right? But this is actually a pretty good one. He had a succinct recommendation. He said, It doesn't matter in which direction you choose to move when under a mortar attack, just as long as you move. Many decisions require a bit more analysis than that. However, overanalyzing a decision can be at least as damaging as making a decision at random. If you find yourself plagued by analysis paralysis, first, divine your goals, then narrow your options to include only those few that best match it. Compare their advantages and disadvantages, then pick one. For example, if your goal is to save the children, don't focus on one vaccine. Look around. Children are being harmed in millions of different ways, in ways that they will never recover from. They might recover from that one vaccine, but they will not recover from the long-term effect of having their breasts removed, of going on medications, of visiting porn sites. They will not recover from some of those things. So take a look at what your choices are. If you truly want to help protect the children, then make that your choice, okay? And that has to come with more than protecting them by one shot. That means thinking about, do you have food if those children are going to need help in the future? Can you be there to listen for those children? I've intersected with children many times in my life. Listen for them. Does somebody need you to give their child a ride somewhere so they don't have to put them into child care? Be there and be present. Overloading yourself with information about what is concerning you about the children is a very very noble and noteworthy thing to do. It should be applauded. There should be more people who care like you do about the children. But remember, you can care, and all that care might not be as effective if we don't narrow down into what is our focus here? What is our focus? And then go from there. So don't let me talking to you about analysis paralysis paralyze you further. Learn to look at your time as something that you need to control. They want to control your time because if they control your time and control what you're doing, less time for you to think for yourself and to draw an analysis of what's really going on. Can you sit there and think, this is about more things than one vaccine for the children. This is about eugenics. 
that is a bigger picture than just a vaccine. So that is all I'm suggesting is to possibly take a look at the entire picture. And what is your goal? Is your goal to be here as a um, helper of the most vulnerable? Well, then figure out a way to help them. Small things are as important as big things. But just do something. Pick something. I have this one-step method I've used my entire life. I get one thing done and I tell myself, okay, one more, one more, one more. I don't let the entire picture overwhelm me. I give myself little bits and pieces of it. And as I do little pieces, I know it's a weird-sounding thing, but it's been in my head for my whole life. And that's what keeps me going. If I have a big project to work on and things to do, I'll tell myself, okay, let me take this first bite here. Okay, got that bite down. Next bite. And I can actually do that to work my way through an entire complex project because I've got my brain scheduled to function in that way. But if you heard me saying it, I take out one bite at a time, okay? A few years ago, I said that I would get to the bottom of what's going on with the children. Well, I've gotten there, right? But the bottom is still there. I'm still at the bottom. The bottom hasn't changed. But it took going one bite at a time. First, understanding what are the laws for the children. Then how is society processing what's going on with the children? What are they doing with the children? So, yeah, it takes one step at a time take a look at it all and then go from there we have every answer we ever wanted none of us came smarter than the other ones we have made choices along the way that have changed things and i have made a million 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 bad choices millions of them absolutely millions of i could i could go on right now and have you in tears or in joys of laughter with all of my bad and good choices over time? But you know what? I made them. <laughs> At least I made them, right? Good or bad, I made a choice. So anyway, so be safe out there. Chat with you soon. And I think we got all of our initial programming to be good servants, good slaves, good obedient people. And make your own choices. You have that ability. It's all there within you. Goodbye for now. Be safe out there. can see clearly now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind It's gonna be a Thank God.